Welcome to the Eye on the Cure podcast, the podcast about winning the fight against retinal disease from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Welcome to another episode of the Eye on the Cure podcast from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. I am Ben Shaberman, Senior Director of Scientific Outreach at the Foundation, and really glad that you could join us. And I'm very pleased today to have with us Dr. Dave Knope. He is Vice President of Process Development at AGTC. Welcome, Dave. Glad you could join us. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. It's great, again, to have you. And for those of you that don't know, AGTC is a gene therapy development company. They're uh, very focused on the inherited retinal disease space. Right now, they are moving an X-linked RP gene therapy toward a phase two, three trial, and they also have trials underway for achromatopsia gene therapies. And while normally during podcasts, we talk about treatments and trials and whether they're working or not and who they may benefit, today we're going to take a little different um, uh, tack and talk about gene therapy manufacturing. It is not a trivial endeavor, and I'm excited to hear more about this from Dave. But before we get started, I think it's important for people to understand exactly what a gene therapy is. What are its components? And Dave, I, I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit before we get into the manufacturing. Sure. Um, so a gene therapy therapeutic is a little different than a small molecule, for example. And, and um, the components that are involved with um, gene therapy is really targeting a, a broken, missing, or, or malfunctioning gene. And you're trying to replace that with a, a healthy gene. And in some cases, you might even be looking to uh, repair or inactivate a malfunctioning gene. And um, AGTC is really focused on that first version, that uh, replacement of a broken gene. And we do that using a, a viral delivery method. And that's usually referred to as a, a vector. There are other approaches, but that's the approach that we take. In specific, we use an AAV uh, gene therapeutic. And what it, that's comprised of is, a, a, in our case, a small human virus that the majority of the population already has had exposure to, but it doesn't cause any known disease. It doesn't cause any known pathology for which you have to go get treatment for. And so that actually makes it a really, a really good use for gene therapy. And I'll, I'll come back to that in our discussion, I'm sure, at some point. But um, it's um, referred to as a, a dependovirus for that nature, meaning it, it needs help to make itself, um, which, again, is a, a very nice way of having a safe approach. But um, it can complicate the manufacturing, uh, as I'm sure we'll discuss. And the the viral vector actually has three major components. It's got the the viral protein coat or the shell that basically houses the DNA you're trying to deliver to the patient to fix the, the broken gene. And it's also got the um, genetic component inside, which is broken into two subcomponents, really. One is the so-called promoter or the genetic element that kind of recruits the body to go there and, and 
make that gene into a protein to try and correct the disease. And then it's got the actual gene that's being transcribed into that um, uh, protein. Um, and I, I think of these viral systems as like vast container systems with many, many containers that in each of those shells, as you called them, contain a copy in most cases, of the gene you're trying to deliver. Is that a pretty accurate way to put it? Exactly. I mean, you can almost think about it in, in a current or contemporary reference with all of the shipping containers that are on, on people's minds. Um, you know, you've got a shipping container that's got the cargo on the inside that you want to deliver to the, to the destination. And destination might be the organ that's most affected by the disease or the cell types that are most impacted by the disease to try and correct it. And those containers have that DNA that you're trying to deliver in them. And as you mentioned, there's many, many, many of these containers. Um, there's billions and billions and billions of, of, um, of these uh, containers inside of a actual delivery to a patient. Right. So when you're injecting that tiny drop of liquid, um, in many cases underneath the retina, it has those billions and billions of containers that you're trying to deliver to a large population of cells in the retina in many cases. And then you talked about the promoter. I've heard people talk about it like being like a gas pedal for the virus. So it controls the amount of protein that might be made. Is that accurate? Yeah, exactly. So as, as I mentioned, they, um, you know, you, you transcribe the gene into RNA and you translate the RNA in, into protein. And, and those are the kind of the basic steps. But that promoter is what really gives the amount that is ultimately made of that final protein from that starting genetic material. So if you've got what's referred to as a strong promoter, it might make, let's say, a thousand copies. If you've got what's referred to as a weak promoter, you might make 10 copies and you might make everything in between. And there are cases where you might want to have a limited amount of protein made. There might be cases where you want a lot made. It really depends upon the disease and the cells you're trying to target because there are definitely specific ways that you have to plan and attack the individual diseases to get the outcome you're looking for. Right, right. So let, let's move into this topic of manufacturing and, and maybe to start off, can you tell us about your role at AGTC? How, have you, how long have you been with the company? Sure. Um, I've been with AGTC um, for about 19 and a half years. It'll be 20 years in March next year. Wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, they keep me busy. Um, I, I'm an engineer by training and um, I'm, I'm just very... I'm always excited to work with biological systems because um, it's it's always very fascinating to me the, the complexity and the challenges and there's there's never a dull day. There's always um, so much more to learn. Uh, in, in terms of uh, my role here, as as you mentioned in my title, might suggest the process development is the definition of the processes that we use to make these containers, so to speak, these viral vectors that we want to use for gene therapy. And so my team will. Uh, define the way in which we make these um, viral vectors. They'll figure out ways to um, uh, produce them, and that might encompass how fast you mix it or how long you mix it or 
um, what the temperature is or what the, the other environmental variables might be. And then that moves into you know purification, which is a fancy way of saying making it amenable for use in a, in a human or an animal background, getting rid of the stuff you don't want, keeping what you do want, which is those viral vector containers. And once we define those processes in my team, then we transfer that to contract uh, manufacturing organizations or or uh, companies that really have the proper cleaning environments to meet the FDA expectations that we're trying to, to get to. Right. And and to actually make virus, my understanding from talking to you previously is that you actually grow the virus or make the virus in cells. Yes, uh, that's that's correct. And um, one of the things that's that's interesting about um, AEVs, it's it's what's referred to as a, um, a dependovirus. That the aspect I mentioned earlier about it can't actually really make itself, even though everyone's had it. Um, it needs help to to make itself. Uh, these cells. And so um, while that gives it a really nice safety profile for gene therapy, it also makes it really challenging to manufacture because if you need um, a so-called helper or helper virus to make the virus you actually want, um, you've got a very complex um, system on your hands. Interesting. And so so you grow the virus in these cells, and what kind of environment are you growing them in? Like a big container, or yeah. So the the process starts out um, pretty small. You'll you'll take a, a vial of these cells that have been stored really cold. They're actually stored in, in liquid nitrogen, uh, which everyone's seen in movies. You know the the, the, the so called liquid that's uh, got you know. Uh, vapor coming off it, and we'll, we'll take cells out of liquid nitrogen, and we'll, we'll put them into media, growth media that has um, many, many, many components in it to meet the nutrient needs of the cells, and we'll continue to make those into larger and larger um, containers until we get to that highly regulated stirred vessel or that um, stirred tank that you mentioned, and that'll be where we. Um, transfer the cells ultimately, and then we'll add that helper. And then that starts the process of making all of those, those viral vector containers that we, we were talking about earlier. And how, how big is a batch of virus, if that's an accurate way to, to say that? Sure. I mean, it, it could be anywhere from a, a few liters or, or a gallon, to, to put it in, in um, uh, terms of people in the U.S. are probably a little more used to here. Right. Um, it could be anywhere from, um, you know, maybe a gallon or two um, up to um, hundreds of gallons or or um, thousands of liters. And so um, it, it really varies with your need. So, for example, if you're trying to tackle a disease that has a lot, a lot of patients, you're going to have to make a, a lot of virus in order to um the lot of vector in order to try and treat that disease with gene therapy. And so it really depends on the, on the, on the disease. It really depends on how big is the um, organ you're trying to treat. In our case, we're talking about eye diseases. So that's a, a smaller um, organ that requires a little bit less perhaps in other indications where you might try and target like the whole body, for example, that's going to take a lot more virus uh, in order to try and do a gene therapy approach. Sure, sure. And how long does it take from the beginning of the process to the end? How long does it take to actually make a batch of gene therapy? 
So it really varies by system, but in, in our system, it takes about three weeks. And so from the time you, you take that, that um, vial of cells out of that really cold storage and you start uh, putting it into larger and larger volumes to increase the number of cells that you have to be able to make more virus, uh, and then you make the virus and then you, you go into the downstream processes to, to purify it and you know, get rid of all the stuff you don't want, keep the, the viral containers you do want. Uh, that's going to be about three weeks if we go as fast as we can. And that's at about that, you know, 50 liter scale. So maybe, you know, 10, eight to 10 gallons. Okay. Okay. And then once, once it's made, how long, how long till the batch expires? How long can you store it? So what's interesting is you can, you can put the, the AV vector or the, the gene delivery vehicle into different formulations of salt and water and so on. And you can store it in very cold freezers, less than, less than or equal to minus 65, which is about minus 85 Fahrenheit. And you can, you can keep it there for years at a time. So it can be stored pretty stably for a long period of time, which is, which is, you know, great that we're able to do that because then you take out a vial and you, you treat a patient as opposed to having to make a new batch every time you want to treat a few patients. Right. That's that's great that it can be. You go to all that trouble to make it. You want it to last, so that's great. Are there certain pitfalls or challenges that you really have to be aware of when making something like AV? What kind of things can go go wrong if you're not careful? Well, uh, one of the analogies I like to use is, you know, people are very familiar with small molecules, things like aspirin. They've, they've taken aspirin many times in their life, and and you can make aspirin fairly straightforward in in mixing a couple of chemicals together in well-defined conditions, and you can recover that um, pretty easily. Um, by contrast, with AEVs, it's much harder to produce because, as we were discussing earlier, the the cells, whether they're mammalian or insect or otherwise, they have this really complex media they're growing in that has all these these different nutrients that they need in a specific ratio. And so you can get the ratio wrong and then you know you don't get the, the outcome that you want because the cells don't grow correctly. Um, if the cells do grow correctly and you're not careful, it, you can accidentally contaminate mammalian or insect cell cultures with bacteria or fungus. And then you have to throw out the whole batch because it's something that's obviously uh, not what you want and it can cause um, big problems if it actually were um, given to a person. And so there's very rigorous testing that you also have to do to show that the material is still okay to use. Um, so that kind of contamination is also one of the really big problems that can go wrong. But then there's a lot more subtle things that can, can happen. Uh, for example, on the uh, purification steps where you're trying to recover what you want and get rid of what you don't. Um, one of those conditions can be off by a little bit and you might get a, a very different outcome than you want. You might not remove what you're trying to get rid of. So cell parts, for example, might stick around when you don't want them to, or you might lose your, your viral vector containers you're trying to keep. Um, because there was a, a slight change in the condition that wasn't caught until it was too late. So there's a, there's a myriad of things that can go wrong along the way. Okay. But you said there's a lot, there's rigorous quality control. So you're making sure that whatever ultimately goes into the patient's eye is pretty pure and, and the right formulation. 
Yes, absolutely. So along the way, while, while we're doing the process, we're, we're testing for various aspects to make sure the process is proceeding as expected. But then when you get that final product, there's a whole long panel of assays that the material has to pass in order to be allowed into use with, with people. And so um, that list is growing um, uh, every year, but um, I think we're up to something like 40 assays that are done to release it. And that that's a whole other aspect of the manufacturing uh, scenario that's very um, rigorous and, and complex that all those assays have to be uh, developed and rigorously applied to the FDA's expectation in order to have that material available. Thanks. Thanks. Well, thanks for this discussion of the manufacturing process. It's been really fascinating, Dave, and I think it gives, um, at least it gives me a greater appreciation for what goes into something like a gene therapy that that is obviously not uh, something trivial to make, but it's so important uh, to do it right for clinical trials. And uh, obviously you want a treatment to work, and it needs to be made correctly for it to work. So uh, I, I appreciate um, all that you do to make sure that that process is um, done correctly and uh, can ultimately hopefully help patients. Uh, I want to remind our listeners that if you have a question, you can send it in via email to podcast at fightingblindness.org. Again, that's podcast at fightingblindness.org. Dave, this has been a really interesting discussion. I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day um, when you're normally working on making gene therapy to talk with talk with me and share all this great information with our listeners. My pleasure. And we, we certainly appreciate uh, everything that the Foundation Fighting Blindness does to enhance the lives of patients who are battling these types of diseases. And we're hopeful that we'll be able to provide them some really good therapeutic options in the near future. Well, our, our constituents are very excited about the progress AGTC is making in gene therapy. And uh, we appreciate your support as well. You're great sponsors of some of our programs. So thank you for that. So uh, listeners, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Eye on the Cure. We're always delighted to have you and stay tuned for the next episode in a couple of weeks. Take care. Thanks. This has been Eye on the Cure. To help us win the fight, please donate at foundationfightingblindness.org.